The Dirty Bag Podcast is your virtual check-in spot to celebrate the highs, unpack the lows, and sort through the in-betweens of life. It's a place to laugh, cry, self-correct, and cut up. I'm your host, Cookie, and I'm in these grown folk trenches right along with you. Welcome to today's episode of the Dirty Bag Podcast. I'm your host, Cookie, and once again, I'm playing catch up with a dope Black woman because that's what I do here. <laughs> We've been in the house for like a year. Folks been in on their own shit trying to keep themselves sane, so we're playing catch up. Outside is opening. So I got the homie Chanel here today. Um, first of all, Chanel, go ahead and just say hi to the people. Just- hello. Hello. Hi. How are you? Hi. Yes. So me and Chanel met, was it officially in late 2014 or early 2015? Um, it was at the Movement for Black Lives. So I want to say it was probably, yes. that was 2015. I feel like it was that weekend. So, and that's kind of what I want to and go back there. That was yeah. actually, so this was a pretty epic weekend, I felt like. So. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. This was early stages of the movement. Hundreds of Black mm-hmm. folks descended upon Cleveland, Ohio. We all stayed at the yes. college for like the one year anniversary of the movement. University of Cleveland. A weekend of Blackness. And that was a lot of our first time completely different person Com- completely different person right I honestly sometimes I really try to go back and try to think like how did I think back then who was I why did I make some of the decisions I made um because it, it feels like it was somebody else doing all that stuff <laughs> wait you said it feels like it was somebody else that's actually really interesting yeah 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 yeah, a lot of it, because I think some of that energy, it just sometimes feels like an out-of-body experience. Right. And so you kind of are making decisions in a moment that you've never had to make before. Um, and it's literally like a different you that has to step out there. Because it's, it's not, these are not things that you encounter in regular life, like deciding how you're going to, you know, deal with this crowd and the police at the same time. Can I tell you so, my favorite Chanel moment? What? You probably know what I'm about to say. Okay, I don't even know if this was a protest in New York, but I just mm-hmm. knew it was people in the street. It wasn't nothing crazy going on. It felt like it was the end of a protest, but all these riot cops came down the street with this little country ass bop, this little one, two step. These niggas was in sync. So it was like, the, it felt like a younger crowd. This girl brings her ass off the curb and like, are you fucking, are you kidding me? Fuck y'all. So she walking up all these cops. <laughs> Chanel brought oh. the cops. <laughs> oh. I did. But yeah, we actually, I mean, it's, and it's like when you, what were we doing? We were clearing the crowd in front of the Children's Museum downtown in downtown Rochester. So it's a strong museum of place. We were trying to, I actually came off of work. So I wasn't even um, really leading, if you will. I right. literally came like off work, parked my car downtown. Yeah. 
So I, I parked my, like my group, everybody that I was with was leading, but I was at work. And this was how most of these protests went was I would be at work for the first half. I would live tweet or I would do, they would send me pictures. I would be coordinating media point pinpoint stuff from my desk at work. But yeah, so I came off the job, parked my car downtown, met them in front of the Strong Museum. And at that point, they were trying to move the crowd already and like a chunk of the crowd had left. And at this point, we were split into we were splitting into two groups because people were still there with the police. So I was I came up on the tail end. So I was just trying to help move people. And yeah, as we started to move, they started their intimidation tactics. And so they got into formation and they started walking down the street at us. They got in front. They started like they Literally was doing a every, march. This was after most of the crowd had left, and that's how you know it just was purely intimidation and just unnecessary. But then they started pushing. They started pushing other activists that were at the front line there, and so instead of like just waiting for people to move, they started actually pushing people. So that's when I saw people getting pushed, and oh I ran God. out in front. Are you kidding? Yeah. Fuck y'all! What the like, fuck is going on? If that was a yeah. black woman moment, I'm like, wasn't nobody behind her? Wasn't nobody? Lead? She just basically was like, I'm gonna take this whole line, like all forty of y'all. I don't know how I'm about to get y'all off these people. <laughs> I said, look at my sis. <laughs> she ain't here for you, niggas. You know, not at all. People, there were people that had to. People was like, look in my face, like this ain't it, sis. Like, calm down. <laughs> get it. Together, it's an out of body experience. It, it was more because everybody, yeah, but also like just tactically, the rest of like we were split up at that point. It just wasn't even the time to try to to do right. all that. But it was my a, God, it was a pretty calm. So, how do you think that stuff is? In, I know everybody kind of went through a time frame where they kind of went to like a little dark space after all of that. Because you say like you feel like you a totally different person now. You look back on that like, who the hell was I? What's some of the ways it kind of impacted your personal life to where you had to really just like reassess and reevaluate what you was doing? Because you've been chilling. Yeah, I've been chilling. Um, after after that summer, we were like our organization that I was in, which is Black Building Leadership and Community Knowledge. We were just we were already going through a lot as it was. So we went through an event that we did in the winter time. And then um, I just had a whole bunch of personal shit that happened. Like I was in a relationship that ended. I had a friendship that broke up all at this, all at the same time at the end of 2016 into 2017. Um, I ended up having to move back in with my parents for a little bit. Um, I lost my job at the end of 2016. So I was unemployed going into 2017. Like I said, it was a lot of things just like slapped to an end at the end of 2016. Um, and so I really, I had to, it wasn't just, and then the organization that I was in also like dissolved into, in 2017. So yeah, I had to take a seat. <laughs> I took a, a, a huge seat because I just needed to evaluate a lot of stuff because it wasn't just the organization and the organizing. I mean, all of that in and of itself was enough, but the, the job, the relationships, the family stuff, um, when you're when you're going like that and you, you know people they they try to tell you and now the hindsight is 2020 when you're going like that and you're kind of chasing those those stories and the you know this violence is is cyclical and it's happening weekly on a daily basis so 
when you're not really taking the time for self and for family and community the way that you should, um, it's just, you know, everything kind of crashes at a point. Right. Um, I think so. Uh, yeah. Neglected family. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, and, and I feel like even now, like those things are still having to be worked out and repaired because of just bad habits that like, that was my early twenties. I was 2014. I was like, tw- I was 24, 23, 24. Yeah. So I was moving into these spaces and kind of developing like bad habits in my personal life off of just trying to, and wanting to organize and wanting to be out there. I don't think anybody is prepared for how like getting involved in the movement impacts your life, especially your dating life. Cause you said that relationship ended. I, girl, early on, I was talking to somebody, we were trying to date somebody that I went to college with, but he was media. So he worked mm. at a news station that was covering a lot of Ferguson. So you had, it was this weird protest media. Cause he was the, what is it called? The, the, the cameraman, not quite the, well, yeah, it's kind of the cameraman, but we were trying to make this thing evolve. And I was super aggressive. He was with us, but sometimes he wasn't with us. Like when he would cover certain stories and I'd be like, dude, fuck you. Like, what you mean? You know, what's going on out there. Like it just, I think I was just so high strung and so aggressive that it dissolved before it could even come into anything. Like I just kind of slowly started making him my little punching bag when I was frustrated. So I don't think anybody prepares you for the fact that like your relationships are going, unless it's somebody in the movement, but that should be messy as hell too. Them entanglements ain't no j- <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm, woo, woo, I saw I'm gonna leave that one right there. Woo. Um, you know, and the person I was with wasn't a part of anything. Um, and I think that that even was like, just, he wasn't supportive. And we would talk sometimes about politics, but he still was just like a really stubborn tourist and wasn't gonna like really move on how he thought things should be done. So eventually I just stopped talking to him about this stuff. And so it was kind of just like, you're supposed to be this person in my life. And I just have this whole part of me that I don't even, you know, share with you. You don't ask about. You see me on the news, like I'll be, right. on, I'll be in articles, like I got, and right. you don't comment on it, you know. So it was like, I don't know. I felt like the shit was getting gaslit, like it just wasn't happening. But at the same time, it was. But well, I think it just be like, I, with that is hmm? men wanting to be. We know patri- patriarchy gone patriarchy. So cats already be wanting to see, be seen in a certain role, but it's like in this role, you the tough one, you the boss. So it's like, I'm not yeah. trying to call you a little bitch. However. <laughs> uh, we doing this for y'all black asses too. <laughs> it started out really being focused on you. So how could you not support something that's to your benefit? So I think I definitely- How should. could you not? Yeah, yeah. I heard dude say, "Stay safe." I was like, "What? <laughs> You're not coming outside." <laughs> Stay safe. You're not coming. Okay, heard. You heard. crazy, Emma? Okay, well, you know, am I? I got, I'm the one that's crazy. I got called crazy. You know, it's like, and who wants to? Who wants to? You know, after something like that, even come home to or entertain somebody. 
that just either doesn't one doesn't understand or just doesn't even give a fuck so after a while it's just like bruh what you doing here um yeah it's yeah i mean and it was it was so so much stuff going on at the time that it was just like yeah this just gonna have to stop (laughs) we're gonna have to end this cut dead weight so how did you find you because that's a whole lot to happen in like a very short mm-hmm. time frame. So how did you get your footing again? Um, yeah, I, I, I could, I, my foot never really left. I guess I'll say that. Okay. Um, my foot never really left. I think that I, I got a job, I was working in hospitality. That was kind of what I was always doing. Um, but I was still connected, still trying to, I was helping my friends with their things on the back end. People that need me for stuff, I will come sit at a door. I will arrange a thing. I will help you plan something and sit there. Whatever you need, I got you. I'm not going to, or I'm not going to sit at the table, but I'm gonna help you volunteer. I'm gonna show up and be there that way. Um, also, yeah, for a while, just trying to house people and using my own home to house folks, using my hotel to house people. Did you? Um, yeah, yeah. Oh man, that's hella dope. Like, so yeah, that- so uh, just uh, what I, I didn't want to organize on that way of trying to um, chase these fires and constantly be in the street and and people getting arrested and just that cycle of of chaos that you kind of get thrown into. I wanted to just really help people that I could see. Right. Um, and just just be a part of my community. I, I found that that I find my, my joy in being a part of my community. Um, I did try to step out in the summer of 2020. I went to a couple of meetings um, and, and it just, a lot of the same like harmful transphobic, um, patriarchal, churchy shit was happening with by the same people. I was gonna say um, <laughs> and I just I looked around the room one day and I was like, I don't want to work like this. And I don't feel like I want to work with any of y'all. So I just stopped going. Um and I just decided to support my friends who were out front. The, my friends who are out there on the front lines. I got y'all on the back end. That's- I'm gonna I'm gonna pour into y'all and I'm gonna help you do what you need to do um and make sure that y'all are you got some care. Um also we did we did do trainings though. Me and uh my friend and my love, Adrian Elam, and also Yana, um, another one of my Geminis. Um they both we along with uh Rena as well. We did some trainings for organizers. So folks that were just popping up running protests, we just were, hey, come to this training. So we just threw something together. I think we maybe did like four sessions over the summer, had people, we had Makia from DC come in Hi. and do like a, a virtual session through Momentum. Um, just trying to just share some of the knowledge, just pass down, like, this is what we went through. This is how you can avoid that. This is how yes. you deal with this just as much as we could just giving people the information to to be able to move properly I feel like out that's there because some people like I agree with the whole stepping back the behind the scenes I think that's a smart way to be because I think sometimes you're more effective 
because you know what to look for. But some people get off on that. Like, let's just be out in the streets. That cycle, like for some people, and I don't, I don't want to use the word livelihood, but it's important to have trauma because yeah. it's that high and they want to keep chasing it. But I think yeah. that you lose so much behind this, it does make you reconsider the ways that you navigate movement spaces and how you balance it out to where you are still prioritizing yourself. But that whole part about letting people know this is what we did wrong. I think there were so many mistakes made in the movement early on that people need to take a minute. So I think that pass that torch. <laughs> y'all y'all have fucked up enough. Pass the please, torch. Please, please, please. Speaking of that and the key, yeah. what do you think about the Black Lives Matter stuff, especially with Sam? with Miss Sam, Tamir's mom, because this has been a mess. Um, I think it's a long time coming, honestly. It's a long time coming. And the, I think it's a, it's a larger conversation that like movement needs to have outside of like media, but like, like we need to come to a table, all of us like the, the <laughs> again, like a convening, but there needs to be just, it needs to be a conversation about how how liberals or whoever you whoever you want to say have politicians have co-opted BLM, how these celebrities have co-opted. It needs to be said. We saw it from the jump that people like it from from the Ferguson it, on the ground tweeting. People were like, "This nigga not here." Like there was there was people are bringing up people are bringing up tweets from 2014, 2015 to be like receipts, 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 and it's you know all of this has been there, and I. I I'm seeing that there are, there were better because Darren Seals used to stay on their asses. He used to always come for BLM. Sometimes he came for the wrong people or whatever, but he was always saying like, y'all giving credit to folks that y'all shouldn't be. Now, okay, so yeah. go back to the movement for Black Lives Convening. There was an attempted meeting. I don't know if you knew that, but the last day someone from Ferguson, the organizer was frustrated at how some of the events went because she felt like Ferguson got erased. So we, uh, there was a meeting call so it was a bunch of Ferguson folks and one of the BLM founders and some of the other organizers that are attached to them. We tried to have this little confrontation, not confrontation, but a conversation about how like y'all kind of taking credit for this shit, but you know, Ferguson got this shit jumping off. Well, as the conversation was talking and folks were airing their grievance, that's when the cops outside uh, cuffed that little boy off the bus. Mm. Well, we heard that. We took off sprinting. So it was a meeting that started mm. that never got to finish. But that was, yeah, it was like in a, I don't know what room we all went in, but we, there was an attempt to have a conversation and, and it never finished. And you see that, that's, that's like, that's the literal, like, that's the, I don't know if that's the pattern or that's the thing is that these conversations start they didn't and want to there's something there's something that sparks or there is an, uh, an event or there is a there is violence that takes place or that just kind of derails the whole thing and you never get back to square one mm -hmm. of like hey this harm has been done we need to correct this harm um but I think it's just in in the pattern of like white supremacy and like we don't understand accountability at all we don't know what we we say restorative justice and accountability, but we don't we don't have a practical model of these things in our communities that people can look at to say on just a, in a daily life, like this is how you hold someone accountable properly. So folks are doing their, you know, the playbook is set, it's the, the same playbook. I mean, I mean, Donald Trump did this shit in our face 
the past for, you know, eight years. And so you got, you want to get on Twitter with one tweet, Sean King, and, you know, say that that's, that's, that's the proof. Like, but this is, this is how people are operating. And it's like, you have to take the pattern from one and put it on the other, that they're just operating the same way. But I think and they've just folks want when people get a seat at certain tables, people that know better, I think it's like it's no longer my problem. I got my piece of the pie that I was looking for. I got I'm getting oh yeah. I mean, I think that when people I think that folks, certain people have been strategic and knowing who to pull on. Like, all right, well, mm-hmm. this person from this city or this person from St. Louis, ain't nobody finna come for me because look, I got hurt. You know, I'm just I'm just let's just call a spade a spade. When folks get yeah. and get in certain rooms, certain tables, and certain opportunities, it's like they forget the co-opting that took place. They forget a lot of bullshit behind the scenes and the gatekeeping and all of that mess. And it's just been annoying. I think it gets to the point where folks that, that are hip just like, you know what? Fuck it. Y'all got it. I think a lot of folks in 2016 was like, y'all got it. <laughs> y'all got it. Y'all got it. <laughs> and now Stanford is calling y'all out. And now y'all talking bad about this woman this is Tamir Rice's mother like she been calling the shit like she been calling out everybody Sean King uh she been on everybody's ass so now people are acting like she's problematic and trying to equate her to like Cointel Pro just like you know just all kinds of shit because she just been spewing it she been coming with that smoke but this woman is mad because she's watching y'all build careers and get on the Grammys and do spoken words and all of that shit. And she's like, I still ain't got justice. And I don't hear from none of you motherfuckers. None. So between none. her and Mike Brown Sr., like, yo, y'all got all this bread. What's up? People are like, why are they doing this now? No, these conversations been had, bruh. But yeah. y'all ain't going to yeah. elevate what she's saying because it don't fit into y'all narrative. So no. We didn't lose. I mean, people don't want to sit down. People do not want to sit down. And it's a shame that and and that's what you have to work with people that are principled and that share share your values and share share your view on your politics, (laughs) because, I mean, you don't know who's out here to get what. Right. And it's I I wouldn't I wouldn't dare. No, Mm. I wouldn't dare, first of all, I wouldn't speak ill of a parent of somebody, of, of the parent that's lost their child to police violence. Like if anything, y'all need to be respecting them because without these families, honestly, you wouldn't have, <laughs> it would be no reason for you to get no money. <laughs> but Sean King needs to disappear. The amount of people, especially black women that still support this dude, it just, it's mind blowing to me. Like he needs to disappear. So yeah, sweet. I did not. I didn't. I didn't know it was to the point that Rihanna was giving out awards. Yeah. Like I knew he had a platform, but I didn't know it was. I didn't know that. Like I didn't know that nobody else was seeing that he was that he was like lying this whole time. Like he's had so many fundraisers and so many different organizations pop up. I yeah. mean, it's just it just you just got to run down the emails. It's so many of them that. But I I understand now that like we we just. We can't we can't put our our hope and our our energy into who these people choose because it's it's really like we have to understand that the system only produces harm. And so anybody who makes it to the top is harmful because that's the only thing the system knows how to produce. Right. And so it sucks because it's like, but it's honestly all of our faves. We always are making exceptions for people's humanity, which is understandable. 
but celebrities and these people at the top get such the bar is so low already that it's like of course Sean King gonna get the award because the the only thing that raises up is harm right um, that's yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just over it at this point he's like been doing email I mean like little posts whatever saying what money he's raised because his trusted whoever told him he should do that for accountability's sake and it's just like I just I don't know I don't know but Sean King and then okay so this election you took a certain stance and it seems like you can't Let's get into it. Come on, sis. Just go ahead and spill it. Again, I say you will You will say something. It'll be a one-liner, but it'll have so much energy behind it. It'll just have so, it'll just be so coded. And it's just like, girl, it's really a whole dissertation she just spared y'all from. You probably just need to go ahead and just, just your synopsis, the view from your chair. My synopsis? Child, it was a fucking mess. It was a mess. A messy ass mess. Um, you know what? If we don't, if we don't quickly like do like an about face from like voting and electoral politics as like our main focus, and I think that really just is like us in our like how we view the Democratic Party, um, because they're never going to come through for niggas. Like it's never gonna happen. They don't really give a fuck about us. Right. And they put us in, they they put, they pigeon, like the party system pigeonholed us into Donald Trump and Biden. Um, I mean, it was always going to be a shit show. He, he told us from the jump, like, and that's what's wild is like, he told, like Donald was saying from the jump, all the, for the, the government, <laughs> this is stuff like B613 ain't got shit in this. <laughs> At least that was a secret. <laughs> <laughs> like Olivia was running around hiding shit. Like this was online. <laughs> like all the evidence is Facebook live stream. <laughs> this was the worst episode of scandal ever. <laughs> like how do you, this is? It's the worst. And I think you know there's a lot of humor in it, but at the same time, it's like and it's something I've been talking to my friends about. It's just like. All of us are prophetic that are standing in, as activists, like we're standing as prophets, like screaming into the wilderness, like, hey, it's the fascism for me. Like <laughs> there's 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 doom ahead. <laughs> something, <laughs> something is about to blow up. Help me, nigga, help me. <laughs> like three years later, literal insurrection. <laughs> It's not funny. It's not funny. I'm like, okay, okay. But it's definitely it let me know that we we're always right. We and that that's it was a reminder that we are always right. And I think in this moment now. I just want to, I feel, I feel the need to kind of tighten up more, even more than like, you know, I kind of know who my chosen family is and my community is, but, yes. and it's like, I think we as a network of people, like as a, as a community and as a family have a network of care that if, you know, we need things, we can call on each other. Um, and I'm just recognizing that we need to somehow expand that to include more people but also to kind of just redo how we operate as a community here. 
because there there's no help for us none and this the the reality is is that like we because history tells us that if there is a disaster if there is a thing they're not coming for us like this vaccine all of this the 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 writing is on the wall we know how the government feels about us we know how this system treats us right so it's like okay how do we how do we mag like focus on care and community care for each other better so that we start to take away some like chip away at what poverty is doing to us because rochester is the poorest city one of, it's all it's constantly top five really? as one of the poorest cities in the nation oh yes oh yes mm-hmm. it is the worst place to live for black people and like one of the top places for millennials to move to at the same time <laughs> this is facts this is this is look at we have <laughs> we have I mean some of the most some of the poorest neighborhoods and then Kodak and like Xerox and and it's <clears throat> and those are old companies but there's a lot of like innovative stuff here and I've worked in hospitality so I've always worked at hotels where there were business people flying into Rochester so I I there's money here there's money outside of Rochester it literally is like a little like Rochester sits in the middle of all these suburbs where the they're literally and, and it's people you know people are talking about over the summer because it's, it's really a belt of like Buffalo Rochester Syracuse of just intense poverty and it's just nobody in Albany too I gotta include Albany but nobody's nobody's coming to save this because all of our politics are all of our politicians are corrupt um and and nobody i mean left and right people are getting getting you know chopped up for for uh stealing money um so we have to find ways to to care for ourselves um outside of of what this system is offering because it's it's never going to be enough ever but i like what you said about knowing the chosen community is because with the yeah. I'm in in life as well, I've noticed that the people that are here right now are a couple of my day one movement sisters. That's what's crazy. We are in totally different phases in life, but here we are lifting each other up, checking in. When we had the little Texas snowmageddon, those were the ones that hit me up first. Those were the ones that jumped into action first. So it's like we go through all these things in life, but at this point, you know who your soldiers are. They're chosen. Oh, yeah. You already know they'll ride if shit hits the fan. You, you've seen them in the most fucked up situations. So I think that oh, yes. we hold those those relationships, the ones that lasted, because some folks came in and they had to go. But the relationships that really served you and that, you know, vice versa, when you say, like, how do we take care of each other and who's going to rescue us? Like, I know who my hitter, hitter hitters are. Exactly that. And to be innovative with whatever new chapters in we in, like, all right, we ain't in the streets no more, but what are we doing now? How can we be resources to each other now? So speaking of which, because you and your Chanel bag, what you got going Ooh. on right now? Because life has changed for you. Oh, goodness. Yes, it has. And it's like, I'm, I'm literally in the start of everything. So honestly, it's like, it's kind of, I was excited to talk to you, but at the same time, I was like kind of scared because I'm like, shit, it's like, if I say shit, then it's like, bitch, you got to do that, that shit. Um, you know, it's, it kind of puts that fire under you that like, you can't be talking about shit, you're not. So it's like, everything is really at the start, but um, I'm cooking. I'll be cooking at home. Um, and I just like soul food and I like feeding people and seeing people happy when they eat and 
enjoy each other's company. I like cooking with my friends. Um, and so that's, that's what I'm putting my energy into when I, when I talk about caring for my community. Um, so, I mean, it really was just started as like, you know, cooking, everybody would come over here and that would be it. But um, turning it into like a catering and events company, um, yeah. not a first dinner. So the dinner went really well. Um, everything went out on time. That was good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, like people just enjoy the food that I cook. And so that's fun. Um, and so, yeah, I'm in the process of planning more of those. Um, but another thing that's kind of like I've done one of, and it's just real, real grassroots. That's why, and it's real new, but, um, it's just something pull up in love. It's just pulled up to an area. The police had pepper sprayed somebody over here down the street from me a few weeks ago. Me and my friends, we just made some food. My friend grilled some chicken. I made some sides. Um, we got some food donations. Um, and we just pulled up on the, the corner and just passed out meals and got people signed up for um, a food relief program. So just, oh, and just spreading love, just talking to people, real simple. Um, also gave out some QR codes to some political education that we had put together, um, some videos, some books that people could, um, you know, get into. Mm-hmm. And I was like, some of our, like our best ideas and our best, like our, our, the the moments of like intense joy like involved food and just like chilling with people and having a good time and I mean that's the stuff that that's the stuff that grows you as as friends and as chosen family and that that happens when you eat together and when you just enjoy each other's company um and yeah people it's it is it's it's I mean, it's always like that's that one person also at a protest who pulled up with some food or somebody who walking around with snacks or something like that. But we used to do that. That communal moment is very important. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you running and running and running and you tired, like I think that people be on 10 all the time. They don't realize how exhausting it is and how stressful it is and like how you got to break bread with your people. Like as a reminder, hey, we human. And we need to sit down sometimes. I remember we used to do the Sunday dinners. It was like outside of Ferguson, like outside the police department. <laughs> they would pull up a table and would serve food and folks would just eat. But that was the yes. earlier days before shit, mm-hmm. before this mess got all commercialized and turned into some, some Hollywood bullshit. So I always, like, I, Facebook memories pulls that stuff back up. I'd be like, wow. Uh, I love the Facebook memories. Yes, you do. I love them. I really do love them. I love them because that's what it that's what it brings up. That's what it brings up. Yeah. I I didn't have no relationship. It was all movement shit. (laughs) It it really was. It was like it it really goes from like a bunch of scriptures and me being in high school to like fuck (laughs) the black lives matter. And like, then, then it's like, okay, then it's like, okay, community pictures. Then it's like, okay, fuck y'all again. Right. It's just the good, it's up and down. It's up and down. I mean, it's sometimes, and that's, the, I mean, that's a part of it too, is the Facebook memories. Cause a lot of that was happening on Facebook and it's, you know, some days it's okay. And some days it's like, okay, I'm not going to read that. <laughs> I'm going to just scroll by. 
I saw stuff that just took me back, like like the whole Selma, the 50th anniversary of Bloody Sunday when a lot of us went to Selma. All those memories came up last, I think earlier this month and I just was tearing up because one of the people that were on there, um, she died uh, back in the summer. And it was mm. just like, that's OG Needy. Like it just brought up like, for me, it was a reminder, everybody didn't make it here. We lost a lot of people. We lost more people right. than we should have and everybody a lot of people. didn't make it. So I always wonder what would they think if they were here? Like what progress do we really have outside that people have made a name for themselves and that blackness is trending and you know blackness is a popular thing and that the friends we had that didn't rock with it in 2014 and 2015 are all of a sudden rock. changing their profile pictures. <laughs> they feel good about it now. Yeah, it's, like, it's acceptable. Oh, <laughs> okay. We like the blacks now. Oh, blacks, you're here. Hey. Yeah, no, what I learned it's, it's very much that. No, uh, I what I feel now that I didn't feel before. First, I went from like cutting off a bunch of white friends to I only fuck with woke white folks to well, a lot of y'all are trash too. This was something for y'all to try on. This election showed that a lot of them was sketchy. Like I saw some I just hell sketchy shit. Why is you still on my shit? So this was just something for you to try. You was literally just trying this out. You white as fuck, you on some white folk shit. Yeah. 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 I, I, I don't, I don't have any white friends or people that I, I don't, I don't, I, you know, and that's just, I, I understand that like I'm the youngest in my family. And so I had a, my, my, the way that I just ended up viewing life was I just watched my brothers do things. And if they got in trouble for shit, then I was just like, I ain't doing that. Right. So I, I'd sit back sometimes and just watch how people move. And it, I just was, I was like, white people, I'm gonna just let y'all go and see how y'all woke ones act with these. And it was a shit show. It was an absolute shit show. These people was fucking up people's housing. They was getting people jobless, you know, getting people arrested, calling the cops on folks. You know, I mean, just absolute trash. Right. And you know, al allyship is it's a it's an interesting word. I was gonna say, but I I just believe if you are a white person and you are not deeply invested in the thriving and livelihood of a black person, I don't I like you just because the way that we had the the, the servitude that just went into our beginning, I just. There's, there's no white people that should lead anything that should have space in anywhere to lead because yeah. you've done it already. You've already done that. That's was like, I didn't get invited to a lot of panels because I was sad as one I was like, you should be training a black person to take your job. And I was like, not invited back to speak again. And that's okay. I'm fine with that. But it's just like, that's what it is. Like that's you're talking is. about, this is, the Gandhi, this is the Gandhi Institute in the middle of the hood. And it's like you this little white lady sitting in here with these other white people at this. And I'm like, I came to the thing. I'm like, oh, okay. Make it make but sense. I'm like, you need to have, you need to be, there needs to be black women or queer people or whoever in this neighborhood that you are training to take over this institute that's in their neighborhood. If you like, y'all really can't come here and occupy it. space. Yeah, if you really yes. have white privilege, that's what it looks like. <laughs> like how are how are you really conspiring for black people to thrive? Like how are you really? Because it it would always include you taking up space and then leaving. <laughs> that's just how I feel. It would always include you trying to take up space and then leaving. 
<laughs> Look at them. Though. They want their. They want their prize. I don't know. Maybe they want their Cracker Jack box prize for their, you know, for sacrificing their whiteness in these spaces and whatever. And it's just, it just, and it's that. That's why you know, like it's it's not right because even the co-op if if white people were even on the side enough in these spaces they would be able to at least help us out with a co-op conversation you know and it's like they can't they don't they, they're not even really even the ones that are are woke enough are not fully invested enough to even break down the nuance of why this why these conversations need to happen to even really be on the side to amplify the voices that need to be amplified right now Right. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's nice. I don't. I, so I want to see the conversation go higher. But it's like, where are the white people that are also conspiring to have Samaria's voice even louder? <laughs> people are not rallying behind her. To my, she's like just out here, like fuck all of y'all. I'm sick of this shit. Y'all ain't shit. And folks is like, oh. what somebody said last week. I don't feel like. What did he say to me? He's like, I feel like families that have lost love when they're not necessarily meant to lead the community. And I said, I don't think a lot of them are necessarily trying to be leaders. They're saying that you're capitalizing off their family's trauma while pretending they don't exist. And you're making it about yourself. Like you, you are elevating yourself and what this, what, what this cost you and how hard you're working. And, oh my God, being an activist is, is hard. I guess Tamika had did an interview and it just had Sam like, girl, what, what did you love? What did you lose from this? What did, what did you really lose? What? Like, what is it? What? That, yeah. So people are like, yeah. This she, is a joke. Yeah. And that, well, nobody would know if it wasn't for activists. No. Families rally. Families act a fool. It's because y'all are not involved. It's always people mm-hmm. on the sidelines that really ain't had no real skin in the game giving these opinions. And I'm like, y'all don't know what these families go through. Number one, they can't get regular jobs. I mean, some of them can, but a lot of them, depending on what they were doing before, ain't nobody trying to hire you. You part of this high profile. We know that you act a fool, especially if it's a white, you know, business or corporation. Yeah. So they have to figure out how to move on. Not everybody is getting these huge checks cut. And let's just keep it real. We go through PTSD from what we experienced in this. How do you think they feel? Come on now. Come on. They're waking up every day without their baby, without their husband, without their whatever. So y'all just, it's a sense of entitlement, I feel. Mm -hmm. It is. And activists are like, well, we fighting for your son or your daughter or whoever. You need to do what we tell you to do or we know what's best. First of all, no, the fuck you don't. We've been fucking up. We've been fucking up left and right. So stop acting like you got the answer. That's why so many people fell off and said, let me just go get my life together because I'm not going to lose everything (laughs) as far as, you know, monetary and mentally fooling with y'all. Fooling with y'all, fooling, <laughs> it's foolishness, it's foolishness. And it, you know, people don't want to just be, I think because we don't, people don't just break down the way that capitalism invades how our everyday life. And it really is just, it's nasty that you would just make money off of these families. And, it, and it, that you can't even see that that's what you're doing. Like you're invoking their name and their presence every time you stand on a stage. And that is capitalizing off of their pain. Right. And the thing is, and, and even that you don't understand the decency in them saying, hey, stop. And you just saying, okay. Like how have we left even that level of decency and respect? You just keep talking. Of, of, of just, hey, you are, this, you are this mother. I'm going to respect your wishes. 
Uh, yeah. And I don't think we don't, we don't understand care. We don't understand safety. All these things are skewed by white supremacy. And that's why it's something that um, like Sonia Renee Taylor said in one of um, one of her videos, um, like this idea of black care of like, you know, like there's care, which is like thoughts and feelings and like, I'm gonna pray for you. I'm a, oh, uh, uh, you know, that's the kind of care that we're used to. That's the kind of response we're used to because that's what is out here for us in white in this white supremacist capitalist society but what we really come from is something that she was explaining is like um you know like if your child is sold down the river I'm going to receive them and accept them and raise them as my own even though I don't know you and I probably will never see you never meet you I'm gonna take care of this child as my own and we don't see and view each other with that kind of care just just on a on a just a black person a black person there's so many isms whether it's homophobia transphobia there's so much stuff the the patriarchy is so much stuff that you see a person and you immediately just check out that you don't care about them right and it's it's like now that 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 has all been skewed people just don't even care that these women are like hey these are my children stop they're like no stop what she say um you got this you got this like people encouraging themselves when they get called out about stuff it's like what did god what did ariel knew to say she was like y'all need to call y'all people in for they get their asses beat like they clowning right now y'all need to call folks yeah. in and hold them accountable because they are doing way too much when you start disrespecting the parent i think one of the worst moments a moment where i know we fucked up this was 2015 it was the mlk parade in st louis there was an action plan basically to storm this um, event at Harris Stowe State College because it's respectability politics. It's not addressing the issue. So I, so we all, you know, adrenaline pumped. So we, they wouldn't let us in. So we found a back door and like got in and we stormed the stage of the event. And behind the curtain was Mike Brown's mom and her family. Mm. And she looked at us mm. like, what the fuck are y'all doing? So somebody ended up arguing kind of with her and like her brother. Or so. It just turned into this ghetto, this, mm-hmm. this, this, this mess. Then we go outside and the college students are mad at us. So they arguing with some of us like, we doing what Dr. King would have wanted us to do. Like we going to college. Why are y'all here? Why are y'all doing this? Why are y'all interrupting the ceremony? Somebody was calling them coons. It was a mess, but it was the one day where mm-hmm. I stood there and I was like, bruh, we messed up today. This was you gotta know this ain't it. it. And I don't think enough people know when to say this ain't it. Like you've messed if you've gotten in this movement, even if you stayed in it for a while and walked away, you've messed up. You've made some mistakes. It's inevitable. Right. Of course. (laughs) You messed up because that was an epic fail. I was like, I was sitting there like, I don't know what to say. This is embarrassing. (laughs) Get off the stage, y'all. Let's go. They want us out. Exit. Exit quickly. Back outside. <laughs> Exit now. No. So, okay. So you've been kind of chilling. Really, you've been looking at us like y'all niggas are fucking retarded with this whole election process. We talk about Black women a lot. With all the yeah. Black women that are getting into these positions and things like that politically, what say you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It really, honestly, truly, because cis women are are really fucking it up right now. Cis black women are really fucking it up. Just they're just not doing it right. I mean, our mayor is is a black woman, and she just fucking lovely is terrible. I cannot stand her. 
the oh. ones that are popping up. I mean, because and that's off of like when we were protesting and stuff, like we sat down with her. She lied to our faces like we was we got beat up by the cops. No, you did it. Here is the video. Well, you did it. It just just be lying. So I no. I don't my relationship to black women in politics is based off of what is going on here and all these these people here be lying. Like, because our all of our politicians here are black. <laughs> the whole, and that's why it's like, why are we so poor? Come on, you gotta see the city council is full of niggas. <laughs> like the mayor been black for I don't know how long. Lovely, I think she's about to go on eight years, but before her it was white, but then it was Mayor Johnson. I'm not gonna act like I know how the mayor should go all the way back. But <clears throat> there are a lot of black people that are in, in political positions and in positions of power here in the city of Rochester. And it's just a lot of people just be gaming. Um <laughs> It's just, it's just be like when you gonna when are you gonna find out about it? It's kind of like how it's going on right now. Yes. Okay, um, why are you moving away? But how I feel because Kamala, I mean, she's still she's still a cop, right? So it's like all of these people are always they're always gonna be something that is like well, there's still this, where there's still that, and that is because you you can't enter that sphere and not compromise your integrity somewhere. Like politics, it honestly just requires that of you because the way that you have to play those games. Um, so I'm, I think we have to reposition how we view and how we interact with political sphere. I think we need to definitely stay reaching and speaking to them. But it, I think asking them to continuously fix a system that they've shown us that they're, they refuse to fix Right. Like the answer has even after 2020 and the riots and all of that, we still got no real concrete reform that leads toward abolition that we really need. Right. It's it's still just it's, it's just the same crumbs. Right. I so mean, I still I, we have to we have to treat them as politicians, not as people we trust as leaders to lead us culturally and socially. I think there are politicians who are in charge of their their job is to allocate funds and run government. And somehow they've now been charged with like, I, I mean, shaping society and now like literally who who gets resources and who dies at this point is what they're they're just they're, you know. And I think so we we have to as a community find ways to take some of that power from the government. They they can't hold all of it because they're they're not doing right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I look at everything from the standpoint of there was an insurrection and it feels like y'all let folks get away with some shit. <laughs> but that's it's, I mean <sighs> I I I do not feel safe here. Right. And I think this I think it's even more so now, like even more so now. I, I mean, I think I've, I'm finding like real anxiety when pull up, like pickup trucks pull up next to me. Girl, look, because you don't know in that truck. <laughs> Billy Bob. And you, you lean it over. I don't have the time. I don't have the time for it. But that's really like, this is really, this is the, our, our actual live reality is, it, I mean, they're, they're trying to tip at the surface of like the actual live reality of Black people in America. But I mean, it's, it's still not, to the to the on the ground level of of fear that people really live in in our in our neighborhoods right 
I think folks just trying to make it at this point. I think COVID and everything just, just people just people ain't living the same lives they were this time last year. They're not. Everybody literally is now it's just like, okay, we all have to survive. Listen. We all have to figure and we and that's a lot of people. That's more and more people starting businesses. Every time I see somebody new starting a business, everybody is realizing that it's not, it's not going to be the jobs. It's not going to be social security. It's not going to be Medicaid or Medicare. It's not going to be Medicare for all because you had the opportunity to do it. And you, there's the Democrats are still fumbling the bag. Yeah. Like all of, I mean, we couldn't even get the $2,000 check out of these niggas. <laughs> Look, you know there's a backlog right now. There's a backlog right now of like refunds. I'm like, how, how Trump, how Trump threw them out. It just, it just, the it's the inconsistency, but then it's also the consistency and the lack of care for, for niggas that, that just stays through every administration. It's just like, yeah, girl, Biden trying to figure out how not to fall up the steps. I was never excited. I mean, he wasn't my pick, but I just knew that with Trump, like it was just the, it was just the green light for these little hillbilly, you know, motherfuckers to just really come out here and fuck us up, which apparently they're planning on doing regardless. They got quiet. So I don't know what they're working on right now. They're probably working on something. When they get a little quiet, they're about to do some shit. I mean, most of them was Dennis and Dennis and flight attendants. I don't know. They were soccer bombs. They had to go back to <laughs> that was at the you know you see them the pictures of of hangings and it'd be like who them people it'd be like it was your page i wish tiktok was then because dallas was all up it was like four of them motherfuckers Uh, air force real estate agent it was i was just like oh okay so y'all out here clowning. Somebody from Rochester got arrested. Somebody from Rochester got arrested. I think he, I don't know if he had bombs or he had guns. I don't know. He went there on a mission. I'm like, Rochester always in the news. <laughs> They've been passing that white supremacist propaganda here for I don't know how long. Oh, hell yes. Oh, it is terrible. It, this is, this is, and we, me and my friends, we're all, um probably like we're all in the in the early 30s or like 29 going into 30 yeah and we've all just realized that we we spent our 20s here and largely it just was traumatic (laughs) because of just the poverty here the racism here the homophobia and transphobia here like people have and that's that's the thing and it our our experiences as black people don't get amplified living here who we are as black people is not amplified. They've gentrified, even and in the little bit of space we do have is being gentrified. So the University of Rochester is on the, um, the Southwest side. And so, I mean, all of the houses and homes and stuff over there have either been taken over by people renting them out to college students or people that are living there now because they work at the, at the school. And that's where I grew up um, until I was five was on the wet the southwest side it's completely different i mean businesses done change i mean it's gentrification it just looks yeah. it feels different it's just, i look at I was, i'm on the east side and i saw some white people walk down the street with a dog and i was like oh hell no 
Ain't that bad when you freak out when you see white folks with a dog? You know it's the dog. I was like, God, no. How did you get here? <laughs> get out. That's what when the pandemic hit, because everybody was walking or walking their dogs and everybody wanted to be outside. I was like, oh no. <laughs> oh, it's okay. it's okay though. We're gonna be all right. So I started walking my dog more. So as everything is opening back up, like how would you looking at where you are now? What do you feel like the pandemic did for you? It completely turned my life upside down. Completely. Man. In every in every area. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. So at the top of 2020, I had, I was working at my, the hotel I was working at, I was a front office manager, um, going into March, like I was in talks of like how I would be transitioning into being a general manager, having my own building. Um, I mean, the week before quarantine hit, we had a, we had like a celebration meeting about our stores going up (laughs) over like year over year. And like how everybody was excited. Jobs are good for giving you a pizza or some cake. <laughs> or some cake. It's terrible. And the next week we were handing out layoff letters. Oh my God. Um, so that was, so we, I think we went from like a staff of like almost 30 to about 10, maybe eight people. It's like a week and a half. I mean, and our hotel was busy. So we just saw everything drop, but yeah. I, I walked out of my job in July. I was I was at work one day. I had I had told the the housekeeping manager. I had told her I was like, if when you are ready to go, let me know because I'm just walking out that day. Like I'm only here because you're here and mm-hmm. we're we're supporting each other through this. Right. But once you're gone, I'm out. And so I think that day she messaged me in the morning and said that um, the manager had the GM that was acting. Cause, <laughs> had uh, told her that her attitude was bad and that she could go home and not to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went in for my shift. And then when I got there, they introduced me to some other white girl that also was going to start working there because he was just hiring people. But like, I, it was my job to hire. I had been the hiring manager. And so it was just a whole mess. And I, I, there was a moment where it was like, okay, I can, I can struggle in this and we could go with the labor struggle. And I was just like, you know what? This isn't even, this is even how I want to step back into this. And this isn't even people that I want to step into this work with. Right. And the whole management team left the hotel at that point, all of us were gone. Um, and I think that happened to several different properties here that I know of, because I used to different managers and stuff would call the hotel to ask questions. Um, I interviewed a bunch of people because I was trying to, I, at one point I was trying to hire people and it was just, the hospitality industry was doing wild shit when COVID first started. So it, it, it turned, it turned absolutely upside down, but it, it, it kind of forced me to sit down and just kind of recognize how I had, how, how I had let capitalism like affect my life and like running after this job and like trying to achieve in that sphere had just really run me down. I was missing shit with family. I mean, it was really, I had gotten back into kind of the same runaround where I was missing shit with family, missing shit with friends, be at events and have to leave and work overnight and then stay in the morning. So it just, it made me evaluate, like, what did I really want? What did I, what was going to make me happy? Because I'm good at hospitality and I, I, I have the skill set to do that, but 
working for somebody else was never going to make me happy. And, and being, you know, knowing the right answer, but then, you know, not being listened to or being shut out and what, you know, being on the ground, watching the hotel crumble and not being listened to at the same time. It's like, I know that my talents don't have to be wasted here right. and I don't have to do this and I don't have to run and be raggedy. Um, so it, it made me have to, to see myself, I guess. And, and so we just gonna have to do something new, do something better. Um, and make it work no matter what, like there's even like, this is all new, but it's like, I'm not getting another job. I'm not working for anybody else because that's not how I see myself. It's not, I I wake up in the morning, I go sit on my porch with my dog. I smoke a blunt and I drink my coffee and I don't ever want to get away from that level of peace and, and wholeness in in just my, how my morning starts. And so I'm like, I can't, I can't be working for nobody and sit on my porch at 10 a.m. and do that. So I have to just make it work and build the life that I want off of what I have in my house. Um, at one point, I was going through some old papers. And when I was, um, when I turned 18, I moved to Las Vegas. I did an internship at the Church of South Las Vegas. So I was from 18 to 21, I lived in Las Vegas by myself. Um, Like I lived with different families and intern housing and stuff. But I had wrote a sermon about the the story about the widow's jar of oil. Um, And I struggle with my my Christianity so much because so much of it made me into like just a submissive, like turn the other cheek kind of person that I've had to like literally battle with myself to, to, to fight the police like that that shit scared me because I didn't know where it came from that's crazy (laughs) but I I happened literally I happened on like a sheet of paper that was like the sermon that I had wrote and it was a story of the widow's jar of oil where she was a widow she had either like a son or two sons and she didn't have anything and she went to the prophet to ask him for help and he's like well what's in your house and she says, well, have, I have five jars and, you know, one canister of oil. And he said, well, go ahead and collect it. Go to your neighbors and friend and collect as many jars as you can. And once you've collected all those jars, go ahead and start to pour the oil. Um, and when you filled all the jars, go ahead and sell it. And then you'll be able to pay your debts and, and do what you need to do. Um, and so my sermon was like, what is in your house? Like, what do you, what do you have already <laughs> that you, that you, you weren't using? Do you know, what gifts are you sitting on that you could be using for yourself or for, for, for the Lord, uh, for the community? Um, and the other part of it was like, we need people. And it's like things I'm like, damn, I wrote this at like 21 and I'm like, bitch, at 30, you screaming at yourself like you need people like a part of the story was like go ask your friends for what they got go right. ask go ask for help go get the jars like the what you what you need is out there you just have to ask for it the people already and then the abundance was in the oil and the overflow but i just know that when you start to pour out like and you you already have it's something that's just in you it's not going to ever end because ever. that's just who you are right um, and I've, I've found like, I've found that in just making some food because it's just what I know. 
and then I, it was, you know, my friends made me feel good. She was, everybody was drunk. It was at the, you know, the kickback. And it was like, who the- Don't people tell you you got the best food? You have the best food. Them, them the motherfuckers that'll air you out. You and your cornbread. They will. <laughs> they will. Because they didn't tell me I was funny. And I was like, okay, whatever, niggas. Whatever. <laughs> but I'll take the food one. I'll take that. I will take that. Because, you know, and it was something that I kind of wore with because my mom was a caterer. And so growing up, I was always in the kitchen with her and our relationship is not the greatest. And so I really just decided at a point in my 20s that I wasn't going to cook at all. Like I didn't make myself food. Like I would go out to eat all the time. I was just living the high life because I just would be out eating with friends, get some drinks, just didn't right. cook nothing. Right. <laughs> just being cute. And 2020 was like, okay, well, now you can't go nowhere, bitch. So right. sit your ass what, down. You gonna what you going to do? And I had to start getting in the kitchen it's like the more I did it the, the food was just tasting real good and I actually started like working on recipes and writing things down and trying it once trying it twice it's like okay okay look we can we can do this that's what we can do this that's a common theme here is um yeah podcast there's a common thing is what gifts are you sitting on so if we talk about anything you got going on it's going to have to happen. That has been the routine the last four episodes. If you speak it up, you got to carry it out because it works. Of course. I don't know what it of is. Of course. Women take, people taking risks and stepping out on gifts. Yes. We're like hiding behind because they had these cushy corporate jobs and then, and then, you know, COVID came. So if they didn't mm-hmm. do their jobs, they just realized, I don't want this life. I don't want that life. We life. made us sit at home, and everybody's like, sitting at home is so much better. It's <laughs> fucking nine to five. So fuck this shit. They really want us to be out here working. Yes, stressed out for the rest of our lives for somebody else to be on a yacht. And I think, like, if we just break it that simple, that some like I was working for a Hilton. I'm like, some somebody is sitting on a yacht. And I am not. I am. I am warring with these people at this front desk right now. This is not what God has for me, and I know it to be. I know it's not. This is not it. This is not it. Like I realized, like, oh my God, I like. I have a new baby girl. Like I like being inside. I like. I like that I'm raising my kid and not spending twelve hundred a month yeah. on childcare. For folks yeah. that I don't know, you know, I don't know if they're washing their hands to watch my kid. Like being at home, maybe because we haven't, we've never spent time at home before. <laughs> exactly. Stability in that way. It just helps you just take off so many layers of shit just to be able to sit in your own peace, in your own quiet <sighs> and not have anybody to, to distract you away from that. I mean, but it can go one of two ways. You can sit there you could fall into whatever it is, whether it be the drugs, the sex, the alcohol, whatever, whatever thing you fall into. Everybody falls that. into something. But so you don't, you lie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every life has <laughs> has mountaintops and valleys. It's always gonna be that. Right. It's always gonna be that. And I was I was telling my roommate, I was like, you know, you you gotta do you gotta do what you can in the valley. It, the shit hurts. But you have to evaluate the mountaintop experience while you're in the valley and you either need to pick up some shit and let some shit go because by the time the next mountain comes, you either go, you either go fall faster and harder than the first time or you not, you're not going to fall at all. You're going to be able to at least maintain through the valley. Right. But it's, and that, that's what, because it's, it's going to come. It's, right. There's really no way to, life is season. So, yeah. yeah. 
Well, I'm excited right. about this new season, but you gotta you gotta speak up the catering company again. Because first of all, okay. folks don't need to know how to find you, how to book you. You know, folks be traveling and stuff like that. And everybody go to cities now to be wanting to know who the caterers are. That's this is turning yes. into it is. Yes, it's a big it is. so split over it. We don't double back to it. Double back. It's Nell's Home Cooking and Catering. That's the name of it. Um, you can find me on Instagram. I'm I'm everywhere at Chanel Anita, even on Facebook. I don't really find me on Twitter at Chanel Anita is the best. Facebook and Instagram are the best places. Facebook is like to keep up with our families and people that don't want to get outside yeah. Facebook because they know they're not a big deal outside of Facebook. That's what that's for. But yeah. <laughs> so y'all I'm so wrestling with keeping that shit. I just ugh. Dish on the menu that folks should look out for, like a signature. Should like you at your grandma house, your auntie house, somebody house, and we sitting down, and this meal about to be good as fuck, right? And it's right. going to remind you of all of the good Christmases, right. all the hopefully all the good Thanksgivings. Yes, mm-hmm. we deserve memories of a simpler time. <laughs> we really, oh yeah, we do. So I'm gonna just tell y'all, it's always interesting for me and a treat to talk to somebody that's been in the movement. Um, from early on and just kind of what their perspective is now. Those that kind of just took time to just kind of refigure out life and again, serve from a different place, like not on the front lines, but on the back ends, because I definitely respect that. And there is something to be said for utilizing resources and your talents in a way that doesn't require you to be at the table. Like there's something to that. And I think that it allows you to have some of your life back. So I'm oh, glad that you figured out a way to get some of your life back. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Keeping it. And now, now it's now it's like, okay, mastermind to keep it, to keep it this way. They'll pull you back in. People will pull you back in. People will pull you back in over drama. You just gotta be like, hey, that's on y'all. Look, this is my suggestion. Uh, What's your cash at? Drama. Drama. I saw a job posting that looked cute. And I was like, but nope. Ooh, I saw nope. it. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> nope. It was a little cute city thing. Okay, a little diversity. Nope. No. What strings attached come with that? <laughs> who? I gotta be nice to who? <laughs> no. Absolutely not. <laughs> Y'all be fucked up. <laughs> I will pass. No. I was like, look at no Mm-mm. but good luck to whoever you get <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> uh-uh. so i'm gonna thank you for coming on today i was yeah. like out the kitchen <laughs> Pull away thank you me. for having me thank you thank yeah. you for having me these are always refreshing and i'm just glad to know that you survived covid that you found new ways to create the life that you wanted because that's what we support here we support folks getting in their yeah. bag and finding new ways, just finding new ways to happiness, however that looks for you outside the pressures of capitalism. Um, so, you know, because yeah. it's, it's just one of them deals. So um, thank you guys for tuning in. Again, we're still in a pandemic. Wear your mask, wash your hands, socially distance, and take time to clean out your dirty bag. Thank you. Darling, there's only one dog.